They're not talking about playing today. They're talking about playing in two months' time. Mm -hmm. That's the plan. And things are changing. Like, if the, if all the stats are right, then they're going to start listening. John Lewis is opening back up. Greg's is opening back up. Lockdown is being lifted. Get it. There is a, there's a really, really strange no-can-do attitude yeah, yeah. to this. Yeah. All, all, the, all the roadblocks that are being put in place, all this stuff, well, we've got to start it next season by the beginning of September. Well, why? There's no what, what actual... about the transfer window? Yeah, exactly. Or what about players' contracts? Well, either extend them or they won't be contracted to play for you. This is an imperfect situation. Yeah, either but, extend them or they don't have yes, jobs. They'll extend. There's no way that anything is going to happen under the parameters with which you are familiar. It's like no, this it's... idea of FIFA five substitutes. No, no, that's fundamentally changing a law, a rule. What you should be saying is, no, there's still only three substitutes, but you're going to have to manage your resources yeah. better. Yeah. If that means players can't play every game, or if that means you're not going to be able to play with the same intensity, so be it. You can't yeah, just yeah. suddenly say, oh, for, the, for nine games, nine random games, you can make as many substitutes as you like, and then we'll go back to three substitutes in whenever the next season. It's just absurd. But we won't go back, will we? Because that will, be, that will become a rule change that sticks. Well, yeah, yeah, which, which will be even more farcical. The substitute rule? Yeah, they'll change it to five. If they change it for a few oh, games, we won't go back. That's crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that as long as they, they don't make such a... F I, don't, I don't really see why we have to have such a Ferrado about players coming on. Well, just like a rolling thing almost. Yeah, almost. Like, fine, announce it to the crowd or whatever so people know what's happening, but it doesn't have to... It, this whole kind of it, a substitution taking a minute is, is totally unnecessary. They need to have a rule like in cricket where you get timed out. You need to... The whole process needs to be on a stopwatch and you need to do it in less than 30 seconds or that person doesn't come on. That'd be good, yeah. No, I just don't see... I mean, maybe not like a full-on like Sunday lead rolling substitute thing, but I don't see why you couldn't just have at a break in play, like a player comes off and a player comes on and it's all over and done with without any great ceremony. I don't see why we have to turn it into this kind of... this centrepiece of the game of the sort of the, the ceremonial removing of the player. It's very, it's very odd. Yeah, or, you, or do it where you, 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 only can, you can only make a substitution on your terms. So you've got to be in possession when the substitution takes place or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Yeah. I want to know what substitutions will be like in empty stadia. Because clearly one of the things that, uh, that exiting substitutes tend to do is to milk it by applauding to yeah. literally every individual in the stands that have been supporting them. So um, how's that going to work? It's going to be well, like, clap about... Oh, that's it. Thanks. Yes, that's a very good point. You, you know how they're, they're, they're thinking that they might do some sort of artificial crowd noise thing? How, how different do you think the results are going to be with no fans than if there were fans? Do you think the results are going to be drastically different? In a, I mean, in a, in a way, it's actually a really interesting experiment, isn't it? Because it, is, it, should, yeah. it should prove... A football contest, yeah. completely. Well, well it Home should effectively gone. prove how, how much of an influence fans have on results. Yes. So you'd have thought that away games, for the better, the, the, the better team should win more away games, basically. I mean, the, the best teams basically win all of, their, all of their away games anyway, so it might be quite I mean, hard to gauge. I mentioned about Harry Kuehl saying that home yeah. advantage doesn't exist. Yeah, he said, I don't feel any different. I said, yeah, you don't feel any differently. And that's amazing because I've not heard many, but it don't, you do feel psychologically different when you play away than when he said, didn't to me. Even for you, though, Chinch, when you would have been criticised equally by home fans and mm -hmm, away fans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is, it's hard to take from 20,000 of your own fans getting get off. off. Get that useless we've idiot got, off the pitch. We've only been playing five Lord. minutes. I've made eight mistakes. But come on, <laughs> give me a chance. I think they felt obliged to chant my name because they've gone through pretty much six or seven of 
And when you get to kind of one, you kind of know they're taking the a little bit or they feel obliged to. I, I, I kind of wait. It's like, this is about, I'm either in the top three, you know, go with Des Walker, Emerson Tom, me, or don't bother. What was the, Hinchcliffe isn't easy to scan. One Andy Hinchcliffe was, was how it, it right. worked. And it worked really well. But and then I the say, second line was, thank was, God. Thank God, thank God. <laughs> There's only off, one Andy Hinchcliffe. off. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends in lockdown talk football over food. I'm Hugh Ferris. Joining me are Stephen Wyeth, one of the seven wonders of the world. Rory Smith, another one of the seven wonders of the world. And Andy Hinchcliffe, one of the seven cap wonders of English football history. The food is um, actually in Stephen's house and he is very spitefully keeping it from us. What is it, Stephen? I have just lovingly prepared four delicious cheese, ham, chorizo and red pepper omelettes double meat they were wolf down to huge acclaim by my family there is none left over for you even if i wanted to i could not put an omelette in front of you (laughs) and the football is chinch do you know what we're talking about today oh good lord yes good Um, lord yes i I actually do know what we're going to be talking about today and there's some sadly there's some connection to american sports is that true that is true. In honour of yeah. a rare sporting event that actually took place in the world, and I don't mean the Belarusian Premier League, we are doing a draft. First of all, I want to make something very clear. A text was distributed to our group at 11.15 on Thursday morning, suggesting the idea of an SPM draft. That the day, of course, of the NFL draft. A significant amount of preparatory work had already taken place before 11.43 on Friday morning when Chinch sent a message to said group with a link to a Sky Sports article about some people called Neville and Carragher apparently doing a draft or something. So I just want to say at this point, one, we already had the idea. And two, I'm not letting my comprehensive spreadsheet go to waste. So three, we're plowing on. Oh, and by the way, four, we'll be using it as a MacGuffin for a conversation about team building. So there's depth and layers and everything. (laughs) So, you know, uh, we're way better. Uh, do get in touch with the podcast setpiecemenu at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter and facebook where by the way we have put some of listener chris Orr's fine work on the european super league so do go and check it out at facebook.com forward slash setpiecemenu there is a link on our twitter as well Uh, elsewhere Conor Malloy has emailed after the conversation between Rory and Chinch about watching football in or from Chinch's point of view just going to Mexico at Rory, you mentioned Tulum. Chinch, you mentioned wearing your Speedos. Well, Connor says this. I don't know if the reference was intentional on Rory's part, but I've been to Tulum and there is a nude beach there. So Chinch wouldn't even need to bother bringing his budgie smugglers. Perfect. Perfect holiday destination for me and my tackle. And it's not my football tackle. I'm not going on holiday if there's any risk whatsoever of Chinch being tattled out. Come on, you really want to see it. You do, don't you? No. You do. No, I don't. If we were going on holiday with Chinch, there would have to be suitcase content approval from the rest <laughs> of the group. Agreed. By the way, the smuggler, smugglers thing, um, I was listening to something the other day and, and an American vernacular seems to be plum smugglers, not budgie smugglers, or if you're being offensive, grape smugglers. So um, let us know, setpiecemenu at gmail.com, what kind of smugglers do you have where you live? Uh, next to some reaction to last week's <laughs> part about the prospective takeover at Newcastle, in large part by Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund, David Tyndall is a Newcastle fan and contributes thusly. Dear all, firstly, the obligatory but warranted praise for the podcast. 
good start, David. Essential listening at all times, although I must confess that amongst my weekly listening schedule of other inferior but time-sensitive football podcasts, I sometimes store set-piece many for later listening, like a squirrel burying tasty nuts for the long winter months. The more contemporaneous nature, though, of some recent episodes, along with the extended time that I, like many, have had available, has kept me up to date this last few weeks, though, and consequently allowed me to get in touch. On fans' reaction to and stance on the Newcastle takeover by the Saudis, as always, you have made a range of informed points, and in doing so, acknowledged life is one big grey area. Whilst no one can honestly defend the regime, I very much struggle with any of the burden being placed onto fans. Football is one of life's escapes, and I find it deeply worrying that one or two individuals can impact this escape for tens of thousands of people. The 75-year-old widower who has been a supporter since he was a boy and whose main human contact may be attending home matches. Is he to now boycott the club? Are the parents of an eight-year-old child to tell them that they, haven't, uh, that they can't have the replica kit for their next birthday? How about the fan suffering mental health issues who gets some small release over the 90 minutes once a week? Must they caveat their support despite that being in place for years or even decades. Extreme examples, I know, but where do we draw the line? Can we ever balance the community benefit of a football club with the actions of the owners? We are all hypocrites to one extent or another, and we have to choose our battles, but to expect a fan to be able to change their emotional bond with the club overnight seems like folly, and I imagine these regimes are very much aware of that. To conclude, I have no conclusion. And if the three scholars of Set Piece Menu, option for chinch joke here, can't provide a definitive answer, then I certainly won't be able to. Thank you, as always, for content which gets me thinking for many hours once I've listened to it. I hope the combination of opening with some praise, a long rambling email with no conclusion, and a cheap gag at chinch's expense guarantees me a readout on the podcast. Take care, Dave Tindall. Turns out he was right. Well done, Dave. <laughs> the, whole, the, the holy trinity of content there. <laughs> I, think, I think we should probably draw a line between f- expecting fans to just give up on supporting a team, which I don't think anybody really expects, and the way in which kind of your team gets linked with a takeover by a sovereign state and suddenly th- that sovereign state's flag appears in your Twitter avatar. I think that's the bigger issue. Is not so much the, the fans who are thinking, I, you know, one of the things I think generally is that we, we play as a media too much to like the, the absolute hardcore obsessive fan. And that's changed in the last 20 years from the match going fans to the kind of loudest voices on social media. And you see, you see this a lot with Man City particularly, where like a core of like 200 people is taken as, as speaking for the Manchester City fan base in a way that I don't think it does. But I think there's definitely a difference between fans thinking, I want my club to be successful. And, you know, maybe I'm willing to kind of turn a bit of a blind eye to to the, the nature of the owners and fans actively putting propaganda for those owners as part of their their sort of online presence. Those are two very different manifestations. Chronolords, uh, which from what I, can, what I can work out is the name of a band has uh, tweeted at Seppi's Bendy to say, as a Newcastle fan, disappointed that we are going out of the frying pan into the fire. If you follow the money at many clubs though, I'm tempted to say, let who, he who is free from sin cast the first stone. And this is from Claudia Perry. Hey all, love and enjoy the pod. I'm a recent Man City fan and have reconciled that I can hold two opposing ideas in my head. Am I enjoying City's current success? Of course. Do I know that Abu Dhabi has a profound human rights problem? Yes. Do I think that City has violated FFP? Yes to that as well, but I'm not sure they are alone in this. So maybe mine is an atypical fan approach in that I recognise that the club I adore is not above reproach. So that's from Claudia Perry. I'm not sure Claudia is necessarily atypical, but as Rory was just mentioning, she's not the sort of fan with the loudest voice. So her opinion doesn't get heard very often. She's probably very typical of Manchester City supporters. You tend not to shout when you've got a nuanced opinion. That's the problem. And what is becoming a regular Buffalo slot 
to end this part of the programme is taken by Joe Highland today after suggesting that former England international fullbacks most likely to lay a patio during lockdown wouldn't be Chinch. He says Danny Mills or Lee Dixon is much more likely. Uh, he has some <laughs> managers most likely too. Um, and Joe, you're a Buffalo and you should therefore know better, but uh, you have included two that reference band managers. So I'll now ask the team, are you happy to sanction the broadcasting of two that include some band managers? Buffalo's Jet Leeway. Uh, right, okay. Yeah, there is, special there treatment. Leeway. We have to acknowledge the special treatment for Buffalo's. Okay, here we go then. Number one, manager most likely to spend an entire Zoom conversation with relatives commenting on how amazing technology is whilst never managing to get all of the family into focus, Steve Bruce. <laughs> manager most likely to have waxed every car owned by his family and hoovered the interiors with a mini vacuum during lockdown eddie howe <laughs> you'll notice these are all lockdown special editions manager most likely to have started his own vegetable patch graham potter there's one of the banned ones manager most likely to play battleships over skype with his assistant roy hodgson <laughs> Manager, another banned one here. You can, uh, you can guess where it's going, probably. Manager most likely to take a vigilante approach to enforcing social distancing rules in his local supermarkets. Can you guess? Be sure, Nigel Pearson. It? it is Nigel Pearson. Nigel Pearson. And ma manager most likely to be further isolating himself, having fallen out with his entire family over whether limo is a valid word during a game of Scrabble, Jose Mourinho. Uh, so Very thank good. you to Joe Very for all of those good. managers most likely to. Uh, any more of them um, where the answer is, and these are the bands that do not extend, it would seem, to Buffaloes. Uh, the answer is not Sean Dyche, Graham Potter or Nigel Pearson. Send them and anything else to setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Now then, in something of a complete sporting vacuum, the NFL draft last week was not only a rare event with competitive consequence, it was, and I think I speak on behalf of all of us here, very exciting. Now, was it exciting because it was a rare event with competitive consequence and something of a complete sporting vacuum? Well, probably. And it was the most watched NFL draft in history, and it took place mainly over Zoom and from the Commissioner's Wood Panel basement in Westchester County. But it is also exciting because it offers us a chance to see the team building strategies and positional priorities of each franchise in the NFL. So as a way of finding out how we'd make those decisions, if we were building a starting 11 from a group formed by the world's elite footballers, we are going to have a set piece menu draft, even though none of us have a wood paneled basement from which to make the announcement of the picks. So I have distributed to the teams a spreadsheet. Do you have the spreadsheet teams? Yes. Good. On this spreadsheet are a list of 116 players with the highest ranking on FIFA 20, with those not involved in this season's Champions League removed. So 116 players. The rules are as follows. You pick 11 players to play in a team that you think will succeed if it takes to the field right now. No considerations necessary for injuries, for form or potential. Your team must be organised in a conventional formation or one that you can convince the rest of the group is sensible at the very least. So no 118 nonsense and getting all the strikers. Although you can change your formation plans as we go along based on the way that the draft plays out, i.e. you can switch to three at the back if at the fullbacks that you want are gone. To avoid just reconstructing a team that already exists, you will be limited to four players from any one club. There will be 11 rounds. We will do them quickly. No trading of picks. You pick in the order, which will be determined shortly. It is a conventional US sports fantasy order. That's in the first round, one, two, three, four. In the second round, four, three, two, one, etc. And most importantly, and most vaguely, somebody at the end will decide who has drafted the best team. 
funny note because you know that Jamie Carrod has been sending around all those challenges on Twitter of various sort of esoteric things you've got to do with with teams. You've got to select a team full of people who've only got eight toes and a team full of people with outrageous religious beliefs and all that stuff. I hate that stuff, but I am genuinely quite interested in this. See, because I was just about to say, we cannot go through the introduction to this week's topic without pointing out what an insufferable nerd Hugh clearly is. Yeah. I mean, we knew, we knew to an extent, but this is like the lockdown has qualified that. It's proved. I don't know how Gemma is surviving. Well, Gemma survived by throwing me out of the office. I'm not using the office today. I'm not allowed to because she's got more important things to do. So she has already made some sort of uh, qualitative assessment of what we are doing today. And it's not worth me using the official office. What room are you in and why do you have such tiny bookshelves? <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's a perspective thing of the camera, to be honest with you. Although the bookshelves are indeed decorative and not really that uh, important. This is the spare bedroom. The one downstairs? The one downstairs, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, Hugh's house, if people don't know, is upside down. It is. Like indeed. in a fairy tale. Um, so now the order. What is the order going to be? Well, I have decided um, it will uh, very randomly, but importantly for me, follow the order of the boxes on my Zoom in interface so that I don't lose where we are. So rather helpfully, it goes like this. Chinch is first, I am second, Steve is third, and Rory is fourth. That is the order. Chinch, me, Stephen, Rory. So then, Chinch, as they say in the NFL, you're on the clock. You don't have 10 minutes, you probably have about 30 seconds. Begin, please. Who is the number one overall pick of the draft? And please, obviously, uh, make a note on your spreadsheets of who is gone. This is a, a, a mighty accolade for a mighty centre-half. My number one draft pick is Virgil van Dijk. Goes for a centre-half straight away. That is a big Oh, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. You've got a plan. Are you going to reveal your plan now or are you just going to tell us why you've gone no, for centre-half No, because if I tell you what my plan is, you'll, you'll, you'll nick all my best players. Okay, well, tell us why you've gone for Virgil van Dijk as a centre-back then. Because he's a really good centre-back. <laughs> he's, the, he's the basis of any great team. That is the position, the most important position. Anyway, crack on. This is immediately throwing me off kilter because I was convinced that Chinch would go for a banter team. Yes. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you weren't going to take this seriously at all, Chinch. Just a lot of left-backs. How long have you known me and you think I was going to go for a banter team? I thought you were going to see if you could come up with the worst elite 11 available. Oh, now you say it, that would have been, that would have been the thing to do for me, wouldn't it? But anyway, Virgil van Dijk, number one. Number one is Virgil van Dijk. Um, I don't really have a strategy. Um, so because, you know, you're the intelligent one so that you can uh, prove that over the course of the next half an hour or so. I am going to go for the person who I think is currently the best player that I am regularly watching. And that is Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne is my Curses. pick. Cursing. And also, clearly, my strategy is to annoy the, the rest Damn of you. So well, Hang on, should we not specify formations? No, 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 you can change as you go along. You might have okay, a plan right, now, yeah. but uh, clearly, if you're desperate to have, I don't know, fullbacks, but your fullback depth isn't very deep, you might want to change to having three centre-backs and changing them into wing-backs. Steve, this is, I hope you're in a saver stage. It's absurd that we've got, through, got to the third pick and Messi's not gone. <laughs> I'm not going to save you because I'm going to pick the best player available in their position and i'm talking about a position where there is a dearth of talent i am going to go for trent alexander arnold please mm -hmm. this is extraordinary this is extraordinary and very exciting so why have you decided to go for because there isn't there isn't enough quality on the board so you're going to focus on I, what i imagine will be an important part of your tactical play Stephen. 
there is convincing talent in many other positions which you might have been tempted to go for early on. But I think uh, similar to Chinch going Virgil van Dijk, uh, I'm thinking, do you know what? You need to make sure that to win the Champions League, you're going to have to be good defensively. Keep them out, Steve. Keep them out. Too right, Chinch. What's interesting about this is that the first three picks have all got three initials to... Uh, yeah, I noticed that as well. To make yeah. the shorthand very easy for me as I make a note of it. Rory's going for Dick Van Dyke, is he? <laughs> well, so I've got to admit, this, is, this has put me in a slightly complicated position because my thinking was that Messi would go... And the likelihood, I only had a 25% chance of going first. So obviously I was thinking, well, the chances are I won't get Messi. Um, but I do, Messi does dictate kind of what you do with your team. He's a difficult player to fit in. But I just think that the opportunity is there. Like when the Miami charlatans had the chance to draft <laughs> Chase Bukowski and, and, and couldn't say no to be the throwing arm or whatever they do in, in basketball. Um, the, um, I'm going to go for Messi. You have got all your American sport hits out in that just one sentence. So you are oh, now, to, you've this now is an out. absolute home basket for me. Messi, thanks. Rory, you get the, the next pick as well. Well, in that case, because, hmm, because you've allowed me to have Messi and because I'm now wondering if you're all being a bit dumb so that this might be easier than I was expecting, um, I am going to go for... Mm, it's tough, this one. It's tough. There's three contenders... I might... oh, get on with it, man. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you've really thrown me by letting me have Messi. Um, so, right, the, be the beautiful of uh, the post means that I can edit out all this thoughtfulness and it makes it look like we're all very decisive. I'm going to go for the, the starting point, the, the player who will define my style, Tiago Alcantara. Well, I can now say That's that I'm annoyed annoying. about that. That is quite annoying. Yes. <sighs> Stephen, with the next pick. Having been really smug, Rory does realise that there's now, what, six or seven picks are going to go before he gets another opportunity, doesn't he? That's true, yeah. yeah. Hadn't thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> we, could we could bury Rory over the course of the next five minutes here. Oh, God, do you know I, what don't think you, I don't think you've got the guts. And I also hope it doesn't take five minutes. Yeah, it'll be a blow. I've, I've, got a, I've got some players highlighted on my sheet that I was going to... Oh, I have a colour coding system. Uh, I oh, thought, yeah, my of course, God. Of, of course you do, uber nerd. Um, <laughs> oh, God, I've got... How am I going to choose between the striker that I want? Bear in mind, I'm next, Stephen. So, you know, that Let's should... go alphabetically, nothing. Steve. Just, Just what, do, do, it, do it alphabetically. I am going to go for a centre-forward who I think is the best in the business. I'm going to take Robert Lewandowski, please. Oh, damn you, Wyeth. Robert Lewandowski is uh, Stephen's choice. It'll be interesting to see uh, whether anybody decides because the, they think that the talent at striker is particularly good rather than wide forward. I have uh, very specifically articulated the position uh, groups on my spreadsheet. Um, but anybody goes for 4 4 2. So that will be something that uh, we come back to perhaps a little bit later on. That was me procrastinating so that I can use the amount of time that I waffled on to try and select a player. My color coding system is black for first choice, red for second choice. We don't care. Blue for... All oh, right. We, well, we I are have, not interested. I have, um, I have some first choices left on the board and I'm going to go for one of them, who is Kylian Mbappe. Mm, mm, I worried that might be the case. Yeah, that, that was the... That, it was either he or Lewandowski that I would have chosen last time around, so... A, re are, a reasonable selection. 
<laughs> thank you, Stephen. Thank you for thank you for making sure that I uh, I have my confidence levels remaining high. Chin, is, that, chin. is that how it works? By the way, in the NFL, do, do the other teams applaud? Congratulate! Yes, well done, everybody. GMs done on their on their good selections. Well. We were going to get that, but now we can't. Chinch, you have shuffled can your I, papers. What do you have next? Yeah, can I just clarify? Obviously, you've got Cristiano Ronaldo here as a striker, so I presume that means he does he have to play in that position or can no. he, but he's not in the wide forward category so if i were to choose him i could play him as a wide forward you can once you choose them it's it's merely just a way of making it visually a little bit easier to come across search uh, so you can put okay. them wherever you like if you want to play him at right back that's fine but we will all laugh at you Chinch, he's got Paolo de Baladan as a center midfielder right i well, highly recommend you don't play Paolo de Bala. fifa does fifa really? does FIFA that's extraordinary. Does. Yeah, these are all FIFA's designations, not mine. Okay, okay. Well, and Marco Royce. You're probably gonna, I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for strength at, at the top of the pitch and also in the goalkeeper. So don't think this the goalkeeping position. There's not a, a wealth, an obvious goalkeeper that leaps out like all good goalkeepers should do. So I'm going to go for Cristiano Ronaldo. I get two picks here, don't I? You do. Yeah. So Cristiano Ronaldo, and I'm going to go for Jan Oblak as my goalkeeper because I wanted the best. Who I think is the best of that bunch of goalkeepers. Not, not a great bunch of keepers, would we say? It depends on your style. Right. If, you're, if you're definitely subscribing to a style, and obviously the, uh, acolytes of, of Pep Guardiola, etc., will tell you that it's a very important position, but uh, perhaps you don't want to play like that, so you can uh, have it lower down your list. See, okay. I go the other way. I think there are four outstanding goalkeepers, which I looked at and thought, right, that's one for each of us. There might even be five, depending on how you view Manuel Neuer outstanding these days. Outstanding goalkeepers, really? Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's a good talking point. It is my pick, I've just realised. I feel like I'm doing well in the attacking areas just at this early stage, but do I want a really good number six? How important is my pivot to me? And I have two that I really like. And I am going to pick one of them. <laughs> Get on with it. Oh. I'm going to pick N'Golo Conte. Very obvious Hugh selection, isn't it? It's all very it obvious. It is a bit obvious, mm. but um, uh, I want to try and get in as many uh, possible names with a, an acute accent over the final E. When we come to managers, he's going to be like, oh, I think it'll be Harry Redknapp. That's what he's <laughs> <laughs> Sam Aladice, the famous Italian. Uh, is it me to go? It is, Stephen, your pick, and then Rory has two thereafter. No messing around. Fernandinho, please. I've always gone for Fernandinho. Mm. Is that as a number six, a pivot, or are you uh, not planning it that much? Don't I'm tell right. him, Steve. Don't tell him. I've heard he's quite good in goal in training, so who knows? <laughs> Versatility too, been playing at centre-back this season. So I now get two picks, don't I? You do. It's uh, down to you, Rory, for two more picks after Stephen's Fernandinho. You see, I'm also thinking there's quite a lot of strength in depth. At I'm not too worried about goalkeepers, and I'm not too worried about centre-halves. I think there's, there's, there's a lot of good centre-halves knocking about. I'm a bit worried about balancing my attack with the... Um, with the forced inclusion of the greatest player in history, which makes things a lot more challenging. So my first pick, I think, might be Raheem Sterling. And my second pick, strictly speaking, my next round pick, is going to be a left-back. And that left-back is the best left-back in the world, and that is David Alaba. Funnily enough, I think that the, the top two or three left-backs are quite obvious, but the fourth isn't. So are we going to leave left-backs until the end? Chinch will probably do it right at the end. I think you'd probably say the same about right-backs, wouldn't you? The first two or three are quite easy to pick, but thereafter... It's Stop quite trying hard. to get so into our heads, careful. Ferris. Just play the game. He's got to be careful what you do. We're supposed to be having a conversation about team-building, Chinch. Oh, are we? I'm oh, sorry, I didn't realise. No, Chinch is right. He, he's trying to mess with us here, Chinch. He is. Because he's yeah. given this considerably more consideration than anyone else. Yeah. He's now trying to derail us from our last selections. And I, I'm finding it hard to concentrate because my dog Lola keeps letting off... <laughs> 
quite badly and I'm in a confined space in the utility room and that, that's the fourth in about an hour so this is this is hard work anyway but that smell Lola is appalling so who's getting in your head bad dog bad dog who's getting in your head more the odor or my strategizing you're getting in my ears and that's getting up my hooter <laughs> and and a prodigious one it is too oh there's no need for that Stephen has that given you enough time to try and yeah. come up with an next pick I, I didn't need time. I'm, I'm willing to take on the burden of responsibility of Neymar. Stephen, you brave man. You brave, brave man. Well, man, man management skills have always been something that uh, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm truly accomplished at. Rory. How's the homeschooling going, I'm, Steve? Are the kids listening to you? They are, they are harder to deal with than Neymar, and they party considerably harder as well. <laughs> Ferret. Do you get the impression Hugh's taking this far too seriously? Yes. No, I, just, I, I don't think it's necessarily far too seriously. I am probably most insecure about being mocked by you three. So I'm trying to be, uh, I'm trying you know to be what, thoughtful about it. I know what it is. I'm having not obviously watched the NFL draft because I have a million and one better things to be doing than that. But I'm assuming there's all sorts of razzmatazz that goes around it, like a clock ticking away in the background, fanfares, ticker tape, that kind of thing. And I reckon Hugh's got that going on in his head. As he makes his selections. The thing is that they have to have a bit of razzmatazz around the NFL draft because it is essentially just an HR recruitment procedure. <laughs> yeah, could be done by email. Welcome to HR Live. <laughs> there will be those who, who say that HR is actually a very interesting career choice and they have lots of fun doing it. My sister is in HR, doesn't really like it. <laughs> You're right about centre-backs. I think there are enough centre-backs to be going around. So I don't think there's any to... urgency with centre-backs. I think we can come back to that. Maybe, maybe it's Virgil van Dijk and then the rest, which is obviously Chinch's thinking. I don't even know if it's that. I just think there's quite a lot of good centre-backs. Pairing them, getting a decent partnership might be tricky. Are you going to try for a right-footed back, a right -footed and a left-footed? Left no, no, well, I, I would do, but my, my main concern with centre-backs now that van Dijk's gone is just, my main criterion is just largeness. So I'm going to pick, if I can, the two largest people. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I feel like um, I'm going to go for Sergio Aguero. Okay. 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 Yeah, that's, uh, uh, and I'm going to. Pl I'm playing Mbappe as a wide forward. Just. Oh, well, Hugh. Yes. I mean, I think that's a, that is a dreadful idea. But whatever mistakes you want to make. <laughs> now he's trying to get in somebody else's head. Well, I'm just. I'm just saying. You, you're taking probably the most, most explosive forward player, of his of of the forthcoming generation, and you're shunting him out to the left like some sort of Parisian Paul Strolls. It's an awful <laughs> idea. <laughs> Basically, I've taken on the Neymar problem. And Hugh is creating an Mbappe. Exactly. Problem. He's going to be pushing for a move to probably, well, maybe not to Steve's, Steve's team, because Neymar's there. Yet. And almost certainly not to Chinch's team, because they sound very long ball. But, but maybe mine. He might fit in nicely in my, my sorry, artistic... Sorry, sorry, Where does the long ball aspect of my oh, team come on. kick you're, in? You're booting it from Jan Oblak straight to Cristiano Ronaldo's head and playing it off the knockdown. rolling it out to Virgil, <laughs> and Virgil will be knocking it to Christian, because it's all first names with me. <laughs> yeah, you're just taking out the middleman. You can either lob it forward from Virgil van Dijk or from Jan Oblak, but it's all going to Cristiano Ronaldo. Change is not in the selected midfield. Hang on, you're criticising <laughs> yeah. my team and there's three people in it. You can see which way the wind's blowing. Nonsense. You have the next two picks, Chinch. I do, I do. I have to complete the spine, because the spine was everything for me. The spine's quite important in, in human beings, isn't it? It keeps you upright and it has a lot of nerves in it. And it connects to the brain. Is that right? Correct. Or is it correct. So that's why a spine of anything is absolutely essential. All pure science from change. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a scientific approach I've taken. Uh, so the two players that I'm going to go for to complete the spine of my team are Frankie de Jong. Okay. 
and Harold Kane. Wow. Okay. So Harry Harry Kane up front and Frankie 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 De Jong. So stick long ball up your pumper. So you've uh, you've got your pivot now or your defensive midfielder and you've got. Listen, stop trying to second. Just get on with your own team, will you? Stop worrying about mine and trying to work out what I'm going to do. This He's is, just stalling. This yes, is for, he is basically, isn't he? Colour coding probably with his highlighters. This is for the listeners, not. And the dogs let off again. <laughs> Remember that there are others involved in this conversation. They're I all playing along. The listeners just want us to get on with it, Hugh. It's taking so long. It's like no, it's we ridiculous. think he's frozen and he's actually thinking. I'm going to complete my forward lineup and work my way back from there. I'm going for Eden Azar. Okay. So Not never so mind me. the spine. I'm all about the good looks. A lot, a lot of work from Dolo Chante there. Well, I haven't... I've, I'll use the same uh, argument that Chinch did. It is not yet a complete team. Well, it'd be, you've also got KDB. So you've got Hazard, KDB, Mbappe, and Aduero. That is just, I mean, it's, it's What's the lack f- of balance. F- four it's of a huge choice, four... Rory, basically. A huge choice without any thought. All the highlighting in the world ain't going to pick you a decent team, my friend. Four of the front five positions have been catered for. They're all attacking players apart from N'Golo Conte. It's true. Stephen. Rory clearly trying to move this on. Yeah, I don't want to hear any more of Hugh's internal processes. Just like I don't want to see your tackle. Um, I'm going to go Jaden Sancho. You see, that's a nicely balanced forward line. Exactly. I like that. Sancho's pace, Neymar's inventiveness and lack of discipline. Robert Lewandowski's <laughs> experience. Stop looking over the fence and admiring another man's car, will you? Just get on with your own team selection. Uh, so I've now got two again, haven't I? Did you, did you like how I just selected that player without all the waffle that goes around it? I don't very much enjoyed it, Steve. It's the kind of straight-to-the-point directness that I expect from, <laughs> expect from Chinch's team. <laughs> <laughs> I want to remind you of uh, uh, a uh, part of this setup of this game, uh, which was right at the beginning of the podcast, which said this, we'll be using it as a MacGuffin for a conversation about team building with depth and layers and everything. So yeah, just selecting is not Because you're just, it's boring, basically. It's a bit boring when you start talking about it. Steve, Rory, myself, there's a bit of interest there. With you, it's just tedious. Well, so, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to agree to that, but it also means that you have to fill in the gaps because at the <laughs> moment, I'm the only person doing that. You see, what's interesting here is that I now have a choice. Does my Mbappe was my ideal striker, not in a lie. It's been a disappointing draft from that point of view. But Steve and Hugh are now out of striking slots, so I'm assuming they're not going to go and pick another forward. Chinch will probably want Fernando Llorente or, Baz, or Baz Dost or, or Ian Ormondroyd, someone really tall. It's Peter Crouch on the list. <laughs> Peter Crouch. <laughs> Kevin Davis. Um... <laughs> To complete his kind of homage to John Beck's Cambridge, and uh, that Listen, means we that grow I can... the grass long in the corners. That's just, you can do that these days. You can still do it. That means I would love that. That buys me a bit of space, so I can now think. Do you know what the forwards? The the chances of of Chinch taking the one player that I maybe think might be right relatively relatively slim. So I can start looking at other areas. So I will go for a goalkeeper, and I will go for Mark Andre Ter Stegen. That's a very good choice of goalkeeper. Well, I just if you if you look at my team, Stephen, there is a clear sort of stylistic idea there. I've done. You will put names down first. I, I came up with a concept. Hugh might have a color coded kind of selection system. I've got a deck that I could pre- you know present to people to the board to explain where I'm going. I think that's important. Are you taking um, a holistic approach to this? And everything I do is holistic. You know that. And now that the other the other call I've got to make is. Do I have enough faith that there are enough central defenders around, particularly large ones, to go for a right back? 
And I think I do. And my initial choice of right back was not this player. But now that Messi's there, I've, I've, I've pivoted. And I'm going to go for Joshua Kimmich. Are you going to play him at right back out of interest? I'm going to play him at right back. Is that his best position? He, I think it is, yeah. I think um, he, he, lends, he's, he doesn't obviously play the, play the role the same way as, as Trent does. Uh, but I think in terms, if you want a possession-based style with lots of inventiveness, Kimmich is, a, is as good a choice as there is there now that Trent's gone. Stephen is on the clock. Yeah, and I'm, I can't believe this player has gone so far unselected and having chosen Trent, I, I'm, I, I, there's a certain part of me that's reluctant to make this choice because it seems so obvious. But Rory said that David Alaba is the best left-back in the world at the moment. Correctly. And he has gone double Bayern at his, in his fullback positions. I don't agree with him about who the best left-back in the world is because I think it's Andy Robertson. It's about partnerships, isn't it, Steve? You've got an excellent fullback partnership there. And I think Kimmich and Alaba have, have different roles to play, different styles, but it's the same thing. It's the same partnership, whereas Hugh and Chinch, it's just a mess. Chinch, you think that uh, Andy Robertson isn't even the best left-back in the Premier League? No, I don't. It's Ben Chilwell. Well, I, hang on, let me just have a quick look at this list again, Chinch. No, 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 no Stephen. No, uh, uh, Chilwell's not on it. No, but your assertion was that Andy Robson is the best left-back in the world. That is the assertion that I'm qualifying with Chinch's which, point of view. Which, even with, with, with most people's English exceptionalism, does still currently contain England. Mm. Although, I've, no doubt, we'll try and break free from that at some point as well. I'm not going to hang around. I'm picking Marco Verratti. Over to you, Chinch. That was quick. Well, it was roughly as long as Verratti will stay on the pitch. Wow, so I get two choices. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mo Salah. This is where I need to do a bit of thinking. Can you hear the, can you hear the cogs turning? You can you hear the to, pee going around the oil drum? You're going to use Salah to, um, to race onto Kane's knockdowns, are you? From, from big yams, big kicks. <laughs> Why don't you just shut your face, Smith, and just write something for the Americans? <laughs> <laughs> that felt like it was the sickest of burns, Chinch. Well done. How long have you been bottling that one up for, Chinch? <laughs> just go away and do your job. How many episodes have we done? 177? This is, I took my time. Revenge is best served cold. Go and write some stuff for the Americans. Take that. I've got one more player to go, haven't I? You do. Mm, let me think. You, you talk about centre-halves and you say there's, there's a choice, quite a good choice of, of centre-halves. But I'm going to go for, because I think it's important to have that combination at the back. I'm going to go for Matthias De Ligt alongside Virgil van Dijk. Just imagine from set plays. Huh? How dangerous are we going to be with those big lads come up from the back? So your, uh, your centre-back pairing is double Dutch, Chinch. Yeah, the skip they do apparently is that as well. Malcolm McLaren said anyway. You've added a bit of inexperience into a crucial position there, Chinch. Was, that, really the, has, was yeah. that the game plan? Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Rory. Um, no, just a wild stab in the dark. Closed my <laughs> eyes, stuck the pen on the page and uh, Delict was on the end of my, uh, my nib. Have you selected Delict because he's got a big head and can, can win headers? Is that what you want? You want him to dominate at set pieces? Yeah, I've mainly gone for largeness in yeah, my two centre-halves yeah. positions. Largeness. And I, and I admire that. I like a large centre-half. So there we go. Salah and Delict are my two choices. I need a full-back uh, because they're coming off the board like nobody's business. So I am going to pick Jordi Alba. Mm-hmm. Hugh, I'm worried about you when you come up against Chinch's massive, massive team at set pieces. Well, obviously, uh, I haven't got any centre backs in the team, and that's not through choice. That's through the fact that I haven't yet chosen them. You need largeness in your centre backs as well. I think yes, they're, 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 they're the uh, the colour coding system uh, in my centre back uh, choice uh, mechanism, which I'm, I'm sure you appreciate is uh, copyrighted at the very least. 
um, accounts for very many large people. Good, good. You should really have, as well as a colour coding system, you should have a size of dot system to, to indicate that they are large. <laughs> the length of my line in that colour next to that person may well uh, differentiate between, say, for example, the six foot four behemoths and the, um, what, the chinch size, don't put him up for corners. Unless it's against Liverpool. <laughs> and Ron Atkinson forgot. <laughs> so, Stephen, seeing as this is a game that Hugh has forced upon us, and I can think of no other reason at the moment to choose a player other than it's one that would probably be quite good in his team. So I'm going to steal him immediately. I will take uh, Kaladu Koulibaly. Okay. See, in terms of large... Steve's made, made my choice for me. That drafts are all about... I don't want to tell any NFL front office guys how to do their jobs, but drafts are all about responding to, to a changing dynamic, aren't they? They are so, very much indeed. Kaladu Koulibaly was part of my, my large centre-back plan, uh, together with, I'm, I'm not afraid to reveal this, Niklas Sula, um, who are the two largest centre-backs currently in, in action. But now that one's gone, I'm going to change. I'm going I'm to adapt. I'm going to take, pausing for dramatic effect, <laughs> Rafa Var- I'm going to take Rafa Varane as one pick, who get injured in October, and I'm going to take Bernardo Silva as another one. But not to play at centre-half, obviously, just to make that abundantly clear. I'm particularly fond of what's uh, been developing ever since you had a go at me for talking during my selection process in order to make it entertaining for the listeners. Since then, literally everybody who's less sure of their picks as they come up has been doing exactly the same. Stephen, I just did it for no, you. No, 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 no. Let, let me stress, Koulibaly was my second choice central defender after Van Dyke, who, as we all know, went as the overall first pick. So I grabbed him whilst the opportunity was there and at a point when it became incredibly apparent that he would be just as useful to other people as I knew he would be to me. And now I'm buying time. Yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Thank you very much indeed. I'm shuffling my papers as if to suggest finality that I've won that particular argument. I need a midfielder. Stephen, I think that midfield is actually the hardest area to pick. I think there's a little bit of a shortage of actually top-class midfielders, yeah, which, is, once, which seems really odd. Once De Bruyne went and went early to Hugh because he engineered it, that he got a early, very early pick. He did, yeah. It's a cheat. After that, it's, it's a little bit harder to judge. I'm going to go Luka Modric. Just out of interest, Stephen, who yep. would you have picked first overall if you had the first pick? I would have picked De Bruyne. Rory, what, what would you have done? Probably De Bruyne as well. De Bruyne was two on my list. It's because, it's because De Bruyne can do anything and he's such a kind of adaptable player. Yeah, and I'm, not, I'm not just saying that because he's won the, uh, the historic and um, long-running Athletic Player of the Year award, which is <laughs> different from all other Player of the Year awards in the sense that it's occasionally awarded during a pandemic. Um, the... Well, 100% he, of the time it's been awarded during he, the pandemic. He, in fact, to some extent, you can say that historically it is only awarded during pandemics. Um, I think De, De, Bruyne, De Bruyne fits into more systems more neatly than even Messi, although Messi is clearly a better player. Whereas it, Messi does kind of define how you have to play. You couldn't, you couldn't put Messi in Chinch's long ball outfit. And also, when we, when we look at this at the end and have to try and come up with who has selected the best team, the one with De Bruyne in it will sort of draw your eye, I would think. It won't because you select, selected the rest of it and it's quite bad. <laughs> Sorry, it should have been the pick that drew your eye. But the, the, the question is, is that 
how, how are you going to play your midfield? Are you playing with one holding midfielder, one pivot, and then two attacking midfielders, the six and two eights, or are you doing it in a slightly different way? Do you have a methodology that you are applying? And if you have Kevin De Bruyne as one of the two number eights is where he plays for Manchester City, then you don't have to worry about him playing in the same team as Messi, do you? I think that if you put them in the same team, they might occupy quite a lot of the same spaces, but I realise that's maybe a, a level of hypothetical discussion that's a bit sort of f- flat, fanciful and flighty for, for this particular attempt to, to take up an hour of people's lives. To waste an hour of people's yeah. lives. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go for a centre-back because I have some gaping holes. I need large people, but I also need some culture. Because if I'm going to play Mbappe on one wing, then clearly he's going to be an outlet, an outlet that is going to require some sort of service. And the way that Manchester City play with Raheem Sterling on the right-hand side, for example, is to use Laporte as the left-hand sided centre-back to be able to culturally play that long ball 70 yards, almost like a modern-day French chinch. So I'm going to select Imeric Laporte to unleash Kylian Mbappe um, as a wide forward. It's interesting because in the middle of you talking, Kate came in, I muted myself, took my headphones off. She asked where Hector was. I explained that Hector was under the desk in his jumper, making him look like a Frenchman. Uh, and then she said, will he come out? And I said, I don't know. He might, he probably prefer to stay with his, with his Lord and Master. Uh, and when I put my headphones back on, Hugh was still talking. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that Kate keeled over from boredom because the sound of Hugh's voice was bleeding through your headphones. What the b- are you doing? <laughs> He's a bit like Sven Joran Eriksson. He talks a lot but says nothing. Very little. <laughs> Stephen will have the video recording of this to illustrate that what Rory just said is unfortunately not true. It we definitely put is it out true. as evidence. It definitely is true. Unlike Sven, who it was always first half good, second half not so good. For, for Hugh, it's first selection good, <laughs> subsequent <laughs> ten selections not so not good. So good. I'm in the downstairs bedroom. My slippers are outside. Uh, Chinch, over to you. I'm pretty happy, even though I'm being criticised for the apparent style of my team, which is just nonsense, R. Smith. Uh, I've got the spine. I've got my two my centre-half pairing that I wanted. I've got Frankie de Jong in there who I wanted. My front line, Salah, Kane and Ronaldo takes care of itself. So the problem, we're not blessed in the full-back areas. I do agree. I do agree. If I was on that list, I'd be in everyone's team. Um, but I have to. I have to have David Silva in my team because I'm looking for those attacking the six and eight. David Silva is definitely, if you can't have De Bruyne, okay, different type of player, but David Silva has to be in my team and I have to get a fullback in there. So I'm going to go for Thomas Munier because my, the other two who I wanted have both gone. Sorry, Thomas. Change, to be fair, Munier, had, had I not gone down the messy route, Munier was my first choice right back. Because I think Thomas Munier is excellent. I always knew that. Thank you, Chinch. That's taken my next choice off the board. So that's slightly frustrating. Uh, I am going to pick for reasons of needing uh, a leader. And also if Kylian Mbappe is going to be raiding down the right-hand side and creating all manner of space behind him, Cesar Azpilicueta as my right back. Has Kate been in again? No, that was relatively quick. Oh, okay. But I did have time to knock up a a risotto. Go to the shops and get all the ingredients and then make it. <laughs> Socially distancing the whole time, waiting outside Tesco, two metres behind the person with the trolley in front of you. Stephen, next. Oh, it's, getting tip- it's, it's getting quite diff- difficult now because I think I want to complete my defence. 
And I want to complete Why? What my... have you done? Have you killed someone? Not yet, but oh. I'm thinking about popping over to Hughes later. It's only a short walk away. <laughs> it would qualify as my day's allowable exercise. Uh, I am going to partner Kaladu Koulibaly, go with a player with vast experience. He's possibly a little bit older than ideal, but I'm hoping that bearing in mind that we were allowed to put form and injuries aside for now, we can also forget about age to a certain extent. And I'm going to choose Diego Godin oh, as my other central defender. Damn you. I think a Koulibaly Godin central defensive partnership is a winner. How old is Godin? 34. <laughs> he's not 34. He's older he than 34. 34. Is he? 34, yeah. Right, well, seeing as... So I've only, got three, I've only got three spots left. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, and the one that I'm struggling with, I've got to admit, as I said, is, mid, is midfield. So I might, I might, to be honest, just leave that one till last and go for, to complete my strike force, Sadio Mane, and to complete have my... Been def- forced, have you been forced into Mane because of... All the other ones you wanted have gone. No, he, I, he was high on my list. I wanted him. Go for I wanted Mbappe. I wanted Messi, Sterling, Mbappe. With Messi sort of tucked in on the right, Sterling wide left for, for the pace and the inventiveness, and then Mbappe just sort of killing people through the middle. But what I'm now thinking is that Messi, Mane, and Sterling can all play all three of those roles in the front three. So we have the ultimate in fluidity, and I think that that would be with the style that's done on behind with Bernardo Silva, Thiago picking holes. I think that's going to be magnificent. Alaba racing forward, Kimmich with his inventiveness, it all works. Um, my final cent- central defensive choice now that uh, Koulibaly, who was on my list, and Laporte, who was on my list, have gone, I think might have to be dun, 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 Leonardo Benucci. Who I would have selected if Godin hadn't been available. And at two years younger than Godin was quite tempting. I just think if you've got Bonucci and Varane, you've got the, got the pace in Varane, but you've got the, um, the elegance in possession of, of Bonucci. And it gives you that option to go over as well. So it's not, it's not quite as sort of one-dimensional as Chinch's team, but it's, um, <laughs> it's, it gives you that kind of that variety that you might need if you want Bonucci to be hitting sort of Mane and Sterling. With me- maybe when Messi's dropped a bit deeper, dropped into the, the old false nine. Could, could be that. That's how it might work. Well, I've managed to do the whole pile of ironing whilst you two have been <laughs> rabbiting on. So, uh, Stephen, you're next. Because he's still available, because I still have a Liverpool selection up my sleeve, and because he was the first name on my list of potential goalkeeping selections, and finally and crucially, because he has a truly exceptional beard, I am going to go for Alisson as my goalkeeper. Strange that Alisson is the third goalkeeper selected. But is that because... As you pointed out, there's four, maybe five goalkeepers on the list who you would deem to be all as exceptional as each other. And then it becomes tough. So we weren't too worried about who we ended up with our goalkeeper. You were able to prioritise other... Goalkeeper would normally seem like a priority position for you for something like this, but that actually other positions became more significant because the goalkeepers were fairly equal in terms of the elite. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Well, what's actually happened is that I need a goalkeeper and a centre-back and you've all got both of those two positions. So there's no jeopardy whatsoever to my next choice. Uh, So I'm just going to go for the goalkeeper, seeing that there's a theme developing and I'm going to go for Edison. Uh, He is my fourth Manchester City player, so I can fit him on. And again, his distribution is just extraordinarily good. And if we're going to have Raiders, 
uh, like uh, Mbappe and maybe Kevin De Bruyne as well supporting, then we need somebody with that exceptional 80-yard left foot truncheon engine. He wasn't, he wasn't going to be your first choice goalkeeper, was he? Yes, he was my first choice goalkeeper. He was your first choice goalkeeper. Edison first, Allison second, Oblak third, Mark Andre to Stegen fourth. Okay. As per my, and I said truncheon engine. Obviously, I meant traction engine because truncheon yeah. engine sounds sexual. So yeah. it really does. <laughs> oh, God, I've got two choices left and the dog's just done another one. Um, <laughs> what have we fed you? A dead badger or something? What's on earth <laughs> coming out of that dog's anus? Um, I've got two positions. I'm going to leave a left back. Interestingly enough, left back is my last choice because I felt, strangely, the rest of the team was more important than the left back. And Andy Robertson had gone. And who else had gone? Uh, Alaba had gone. So basically, I thought, you know what? Any old nugget can play in there. So I'm going to leave that till the end. I'm going to have to go for, because I want attacking midfielders, a six and an eight, I'm going to have to go for Ishko as my uh, third central midfielder uh, attacking course and the left back i'm gonna to have to go for alexandro because there's nobody else good play so though alexandro. i'm done i'm done right chinch if you could organize that into a formation so you could read it out uh... do you want it now no do it oh, okay chinch just to let you know either i can smell lola's letting off from here or hector's joining in it's you probably can smell it from here it's appalling isn't it my final choice is um Somebody who uh, will play at centre-back who doesn't necessarily need to have the correct distribution but uh, can mark and kick the proverbial out of somebody. So it's Giorgio Chiellini. Two left-footers there, Hugh. Yeah, you have two right-footers. He's been panicked into that, hasn't he? He has been panicked into that, yeah. Well, it was Chiellini, Ramos, uh, or what was the other one I had left? PK. Ramos, Chiellini or PK? And I went for Chiellini because I needed PK. large nutters. My one final selection needs to be a midfielder. I'm, I'm struggling just because I don't think there's too many really genuine standout candidates as we were discussing earlier. Because I've got, I've got Fernandinho and I've got Modric. Rakitic would be tempting in terms of Modric's compatriots. Steven's uh, team of all of pensionable age. I know, it's a really old team. Really yeah. old. Chinch's long balls. Steven's, Steven's Hang on a minute. Why is it right? Long ball. Mine's disgracefully organised and Rory's yeah. hipster. <laughs> Let me, maybe, maybe I'm just selecting players that I've admired for a long time. Maybe I just have a loyalty. Ah, the Romance Eleven players. by Stephen Wyatt. Uh, I, I did. I, I obviously fancied David Silva, but he got hoovered up earlier. And Isco's just gone. Who was also on my shortlist. Uh, I am going to go though for Christian Eriksen. Okay. Panic selection. Yeah. My final. No, not whoa, 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 not not at all. It's just when I've got Neymar in there. In my team, and I just stop trying to justify a panic. I don't decision. think I can go. With, it worse. I can't go with too much of a creative number ten kind of player because Neymar will kill them. He, That's he, true. Yeah, he'll the start ball, briefing against them. It'd be awful. Got to get the ball to Neymar as often as possible, just to just to keep the peace. What, what uh, do you feel, Stephen? That Neymar is the the turd in the swimming pool for you. <laughs> as soon as you went for him, it it solid and change the rest of your team. That was, a, that was a bad choice. Chinch, what would your final choice in Stephen's position been then? Who would have been your other creative midfielder, your other number eight in that? Um, I don't have to worry about it because I've got mine. So I don't care. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. So Rory, to, to I've drafted who I wanted, so there you go. Well, I, I have an interest. I've got a midfielder to select as well. Uh, and my team at the moment, I feel, is a little bit potentially lacking in, lacking in bite. Uh, so I could go Casemiro as, a, as an archetypal 
kind of holding midfielder and a proper anchor man. Could maybe go Axel Witzel, who, who's a player I really like, who who could um who could do the same thing. But I wonder if there's a slightly more inventive solution, which is Thiago's going to be the the sixth that he's going to dictate the play, the metronome, and I'm going to go for Saul. Yes, as... that's a very good decision. It's a really good choice. That's I the other. Yeah, that was going to go for Sal. I, 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 re- I wanted to. industry. It, it was creativity. It was, it was right there, but I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'd, I'd already gone Godin from Atletico. I wondered well, whether Godin plays for Inter. Sorry, <laughs> I've lost the will to live. I've forgotten who plays. Steve, by the age of your team, would most of them survive a season? <laughs> They only need to survive one. Because you only have seven left come uh, come the end of April. Hang on, I've got I've got Trent and Jaden dragging the average age. The down. youngsters, that the youngsters would kill them off. That's the problem. So Chinch, your eleven is uh, if you would like to tell us in a formation that you've chosen. It's a four-three-three with a goalkeeper, of course, as well. Jan Oblak is my goalkeeper. Thomas Munier, Matthias De Ligt, Virgil Van Dijk, and Alexandro are the back four. Frankie De Jong would be my holder. Ishko and David Silva, either side of him. Mo Salah, Harold Kane and Cristiano Ronaldo as a front three. Sounds great. So my team is uh, Edison in goal, a back four across right to left, uh, Azpilicueta, Chiellini, Laporte <laughs> and Alba. <laughs> then I've got a six in uh, Conte with Verratti and Kevin De Bruyne, Mbappe on one side, Azar on the other and Aguero down the middle. Stephen. Have you, have you taken this seriously, Hugh? Because that's a terrible team. For just that. wanted you guys at, to have fun. Can I see your highlighter? Just to make, you have actually taken this seriously. You've taken you it, that seriously, it off. And that team you produced is pants. Over to you, Stephen. Uh, I've got Alisson in goal. A brilliant back four of Trent Alexander-Arnold, so Kaladu Koulibaly, Diego Godin and Andy Robertson. Uh, Fernandinho is my six with Luka Modric and Christian Eriksen in midfield with him. Uh, Jaden Sancho and Neymar are the explosive talents out wide, <laughs> supplying <laughs> the this? outstanding number nine in European football, Robert Lewandowski. That is the uh, self-promoting, self-congratulating 11 from <laughs> Stephen Wyatt. Um, Rory? Uh, so I've got the only coherent concept amongst <laughs> the four of us. Uh, I've got Marc-Andre Testaden in goal. Uh, Joshua Kimmich, Rafa Varane, Leonardo Bonucci and David Alaba across the back. Uh, Thiago is the the centrepiece of everything. Bernardo Silva and Saul providing both industry but also intelligence in midfield. And then a fluid front three of Lionel Messi, Sadio Mane and Raheem Sterling. Is there anybody that's not gone that is surprising? Yeah, who's the best player still Who's the best player left out? Luis I mean, Suarez wasn't taken, which uh, surprised me to a certain extent. He's quite old. I suppose you can make a case for Neuer, but then he has fallen behind all those other Luis Suarez features. is old enough to be in Steve's team, that's for sure. That's definitely true. He'd be, he'd be considered young in Steve's team. Tony Cruz is uh, still on the yeah. board. Uh, uh, Angola Di Maria. Di Maria, maybe. Griezmann. It's funny, isn't it? Because a year ago, I bet someone would have, would have, would have drafted Griezmann. But now, because he's had a, you know, it's a relatively bad season, there's a sense of him who's a bit kind of past it. I think we've got most... Tony Kroos, maybe, is the, is the one that you'd... Or Busquets. Tony Kroos is one of those players who always gets into kind of best 11s because of what he provides and the team for whom he plays. But um, I just think that there are those over the last 12 to 18 months who have superseded him. It does strike me, though, that we have... That midfielders have of that kind of quality are in slightly shorter supply because the really good ones are a little bit older and that that does kind of influence your thinking whereas now there's maybe 
if you're not an, an archetypal anchorman or Kevin De Bruyne, you are kind of that weird kind of Isco Bernardo Silva mix where you kind of sometimes play wide, sometimes, sometimes play further forward, sometimes play deep. You kind of a little bit more kind of uh, versatile than than a sort of specialist central midfielder. There, there aren't that many apart from Kevin De Bruyne, that many kind of absolutely mind-blowingly good central midfielders on this list. And I have actually forgotten all of the footballers. Have we all left Sergio Busquets out on the sort of Atterbuilding principle? <laughs> no, that would have made me include him. I just, I think, I, I, to be honest, I just think Busquets is a little bit past his best. I'd rather have Thiago than Busquets. So there's one other thing that I wanted to ask you to do, and that is to uh, put out an, an 11 as if you were able to get your first choice in every position, as if there were no other drafters um, picking the draftees. So, Chinch, what would be your number one first choice 11 and also how many of your players have you managed to get in there? I managed to get five of my final team in. Uh, it would be Oblak, Alexander-Arnold, De Ligt, Van Dijk, Alaba, De Jong, David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Messi, Mbappe and Ronaldo. So I'll do mine, which is um, I managed to get five in. Edison in goal, Kimmich, Virgil van Dijk, Laporte and Alaba. Conte behind Thiago and Kevin De Bruyne, Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo. Ronaldo was the, the one that I struggled over the most, just, just out of interest, which is a strange thing to say. Stephen, how many did you get? I got eight into my team in the end. Are they all over 30 years of old? Age? Yeah, yeah they're, all, <laughs> they're all nearly as old as I am. <laughs> Alisson in goal, Trent, Van Dijk, Koulibaly and Robertson at the back. Uh, Fernandinho, De Bruyne, Modric, Messi, Lewandowski, Neymar would have been my first choice eleven. I got seven of mine in. Um, doing purely first choice, I'd have been a bit torn between Tishtaden and Allison, but then it would have been Trent, Virgil van Dijk, probably Koulibaly just on, on largeness, uh, Alaba, De Bruyne, Thiago, Bernardo Silva, Messi, Mbappe and Sterling. So by my reckoning, there are three players that got in each of our teams and they are Virgil van Dijk, Lionel Messi and Kevin De Bruyne. Is that right? Have I got that right? Yeah, uh, I think so, yeah. So, uh, so how do we think that process was and how much, as indeed I suggested it might be, how exciting was that? I've had fun. It wasn't <laughs> as tedious as I was expecting. Um, it is now time for Nevermind Jack and Ori, What a Soccer Story. The son Andy Hinchcliffe tells the tale from his playing all broadcasting days with all adult behaviour and live-worthy details removed. Well, we all know how important first impressions are. I know when you three first met me, you were blown away by my good looks and my... Uh, intellectual capabilities and that hasn't really changed in the time that you've known me. it's probably grown if anything um but the first impression i made on mel machin who was the he came into to manchester city uh, in the summer of 1987 when he, the burgeoning hinchcliffe was on the at the very start of what would be a, an absolutely stellar career and we had for some reason we had an end of season tour man city to gabon and i think i talked about going to going to gabon and, and how incredibly hot it was it was ludicrous. He shouldn't really be playing football in these conditions, especially in the summer. It was crazy. We went out there with, with Tony Buck, who was my youth team coach um, from my early days at City. So Mel, I think, had just kind of come in, had come to kind of oversee things before he really took things on in pre-season and then developed things going into the season. So it was Mel Machen's first view of kind of that City squad in the summer of 1987. And I, it was never said to me at the time... But I, I had a bit of a, a dodgy time in the sunshine anyway. The sun doesn't really, doesn't really do things for me, and you can't play football in a hat. But Tony Buck used to point up and say, that big orb in the sky, and I'd say, what, the sun? He said, yeah, that big orb in the sky, it's nothing. It means nothing. You should be able just to play. It's fine. And I was saying, no, no, it's 38 degrees. It's boiling hot, and this is crazy. We're going to die. But Tony Buck, old school, let's just get on with it. 
I can't even remember the games, but even the training was a chore and horrendous. So I probably wasn't at my best. But Mel Machen, it, it must have been as the, as the season progressed and I must have done something in pre-season. I think probably lost about two stone. That, would, that helped. And I got into the team and, and Mel thought I was a decent player. But apparently he was asked about me when I got into the team and was producing some incredible form for such a young man of 18 years old. And he said, well, you know, what are your first impressions when you came across Andy Hinchcliffe? Well, you know, what, what was it about him that instantly kind of turned you on to his abilities? And he said, well, I wasn't really, because we were out in Gabon and there was this tubby lad, tubby lad playing at left back. And I thought, what the hell do we have here? He'd heard things about what happened in the youth team and people at City had talked me up a lot. But he said on actually seeing me, he clearly thought that I had absolutely no future couldn't really play and was overweight as well. But from that point on, even though I made that terrible first impression on him, it wasn't long before clearly, once I'd lost the weight, that uh, he knew what an important member of the Manchester City team I was going to be. But I only found out this later on when he started to do uh, interviews about me playing well, that he actually mentioned it. Probably that's the right time to do it. If he'd done it at the time and said, by the way, you're overweight and rubbish, that psychologically could have had an effect on me. So I'm glad he didn't at that time. The great man manager that he was, he left it until the autumn <laughs> when I'd lost the weight, was playing brilliantly. Then he stuck the knife in and I was able to deal with it. So good man management, Mel. Thanks for that. It's very important to under-promise, Chinch, so that you can easily over-deliver. Mm, do you think so? Yes. Keep your correspondence coming into setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Thank you to everything that you've sent over the last few weeks. Please subscribe, share, rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you to Steve and Andy and Rory and to you all for listening. We'll be back with another Set Piece Menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed. And as we say goodbye, uh, we need to ascertain who has the best team. And if, just, we yeah. all, all, if we all agree that it's not mine, which of Stephen's, Chinch's and Rory's teams do we believe is the best? I mean, yours, yours isn't bad. Are we taking on this responsibility ourselves or are we not going to well, let what I've done, decide? I've taken myself out of the reckoning because it's, all, it's you know, fairly clear that you'd have no respect for my team whatsoever. So I will cast, uh, I will cast an important uh, deciding vote. So I, I would say that Steve's team would be undone by players who require different styles. So Alexander Arnold and Robertson both have to play a high defensive line. That's how you get the best out of them. Diego Dudin is getting found out. And I'm not sure Talidou Tulubelli can do all that covering. And I think the midfield is a little bit too creaking. So I think, although I've been mocking Chinch's team, and I think that David Silver and Isco, not massively keen on that. Um, Alexandro, last roll of the dice, wasn't it, Chinch? Let's be honest. I do think <laughs> that they have the strongest defence and basically wouldn't concede any goals. And in Ronaldo, Kane and Salah, they probably have enough, enough, enough up front to kind of to do anyone any damage. So I think Chinch's team might win it, although I think my team would be the prettiest. And is, is that not the real victory? Which is interesting because Chinch started this whole process by picking Virgil van Dijk and saying that the centre-back or the defence was the most important thing and that Virgil van Dijk was the linchpin. And look, it may well be that that is the deciding factor in who the best team is because Chinch has a team that will not concede goals. Steve, what do you reckon? I've just, I'm so stunned and disappointed by your assessment of my team. <laughs> I don't really feel like I can objectively challenge now anything you've just said. My, my, my entire understanding of the game of football has just been blown apart. Is it possible this to put quite... any of these teams into like a simulation? Is it... I was going to say, could, could you not get the boys to play it on FIFA? 
uh, they don't need too much of an excuse. So yeah, we'll give it a whirl. <laughs> Everybody send me your teams. I will put it on Twitter to see whether anybody disagrees with the assessment that Chinch is, is the pick of the lot. And surely somebody will conjure up some clever football manager thing to solve the argument once and for all. And I also wonder if there's uh, any part of our teams that reflect our personality. Me, completely disorganised, not really having a plan, too insecure to actually stick you, to my guns. You're, you're Chinch, organised, football expertise. Steve, old. <laughs> and, and, and Rory, you know, yeah, a bit wishy-washy, but very pretty. Pipe dream. The, Hugh, you're not disorganised, you're too organised. Your, your whole thought was the process, not the outcome. Oh, yes, definitely. I'm much happier to have... Uh, yeah. <laughs> have expertise in that's, the process. That's your weakness as a, as a human. I'm not sure there'd be a role for Hugh, any role at all within a football club, because you wouldn't want to like head of football operations, certainly wouldn't want him picking a team or having anything to do with transfer policy. Where the hell? Oh, making the tea. IT. That's where he fit in. No, making the tea, not IT.